Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Okay, welcome back. It is episode COVID number 39. So we've done far more than 39 of these. 39 plus 41, whatever that is. Yeah, so a bunch. 80. So today we had Kristen Erisman. Erisman. She is the director of infectious disease epidemiology at MDH. And She's she was, like the lady who's on the news every she, day. Yeah, and she was kind enough to come on and have a little discussion about the immunization that's coming out. Coming then, out, you got yours already. Yeah, and then yeah, I did, and then uh, it was painful, and Whatever. then she had Ben Christensen on, who is one of her coworkers, uh, because she had a meeting, I think, with the governor or something like that. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, this meeting just came up with the governor. I gotta yeah. go at one." I said, "Yeah, I knew he'd called me previously, but I'm doing this." It's kind of like when uh, President-elect Biden stole Doctor, excuse me. Mike Osterholm, you know, yeah. the governor, so Chris. Yeah, that was an uncomfortable conversation I had with uh, President-elect Biden. Uh, he, I think he sensed I was upset that he had stolen our speaker. But yeah, anyway. Well, Governor Walls just kind of said, I'm sorry, Heather. So anyway. basically what she talked about <laughs> to start with was the whole phased approach to vaccination and how, um, you know, we're, we're starting out, but obviously there was only like 46,000 vaccinations right away. And there's 500,000 healthcare workers and other people that that have to be vaccinated. Right. And so there's all these phases. And ultimately, what she said is that as more companies, of course, Pfizer is the first one, and then there's Moderma. And then, you know, coming into the new year, we're going to have AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Once they get FDA approval, we will get more vaccines. But right now we're in that 1A. So it's really supposed to be reserved for those people who are having ICU contact with COVID patients, ER contact with COVID patients. That's the kind of, if you know you're having contact with potentially COVID patients is the healthcare workers who are supposed to have gotten this vaccine. Yeah, I think if you... Kurt's just old. Yeah, I mean, I, sh- I should have been right at the start of the list, but just because you, you were day you, two, <laughs> knowing somebody who had COVID is not a reason to go to the top of the list. Correct. So it doesn't matter how many people you know. And really the elements and how they allocate these vaccines is kind of this weird combination of science and ethics and implementation and, you know, flipping a coin probably too. Well, I think, you know, they have this huge team, this allocation advisory work group. There's like a million people on it. And I'm sure there's part of them in the back of their minds that are like, okay, if I get COVID and I end up hospitalized, clearly I want there to be people to take care of me. So that's obviously who got it first. And, you mm-hmm. know, phase two is the other essential workers. So, um, you know, teachers and all of that. And then phase three is adults with super high risk conditions, et cetera. So, yeah. so the work group is made up of, well, all kinds of people. A lot of these people we actually know. I don't know if you noticed that, uh, Chamalo. Chamillo. Chamillo. He got his vaccine. I saw it on Twitter. Yep. He was sick for like four days. Yeah, he said it wasn't the best. He just was like, blah. I got mine today. I feel fine. Until tomorrow when he has the man flu. Yeah, I think I'm okay. <laughs> but there's quite a group that's on there. 
And and honestly, this has to be a tough job to decide how you kind of allocate oh, these. Cody Weiberg is on that. Oh, and Shout then they, to our friend Cody. And then did you see what uh, Texas did? I didn't see oh. what Texas did. Texas just said, no, we're doing it different. If you're 65 and older, you just get it. That, they're doing they're the, it different or differently? It's differently because it's an adverb. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like Sweden, maybe. They just didn't do any restrictions, and now everybody has COVID, and they can't go anywhere out of the country. So, anyway, oh, she printed you off the blind person, old man version, I and I got this tiny little version. So, how it's working in Minnesota, there's a lot of regions. There's, what, eight regions or so across the state where the main allocations are getting sent to because, of course, especially with this first vaccine, the Pfizer, which has to be kept at a million degrees below zero, um, they are looking at different counties with greater social vulnerability, the people who are more likely to get severely ill. Or spread it. Or spread it. So, mm. you know, I'm sorry, Morrison County is not getting as many as Hennepin County. Yeah, so phase 1A, that's the population, that's healthcare personnel, well, and the nursing home people. So, and clearly... It's interesting because so many of the nursing home patients have already had it. I was just going to say that. Like, if you've survived it already and you're still in the nursing home. We don't know how long your immunity lasts, so they're going to whack you with a with an immunization. Well, and then as our friend Mike last week mentioned, you can get it again, and I don't think those long-term care residents are I remember really... saying, Mike, seriously? <laughs> okay, I didn't say that. Um, no, but I asked him an important question, and he asked me who's going to win the Super Bowl in five years, and I had an answer. Not a good one, but I had an answer. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, there's a lot of different risk categories, risk criteria, risk of infection, risk of severe morbidity, risk of transmitting, um, risk of negative societal impact, which I don't really know what that means. But again, phase one, we already talked about. So I have no idea where you are, but it's okay. There's also different ways they're prioritizing uh, people as well. Um, and so I, th- I really think that, you know, this is something that's going to change and you can see already that it has changed. They actually changed some of the 1A group and who was going to get things. So, um, I think you went to the Minnesota, did you go to the Minnesota phase at 1A? Are you, is that oh, where you're you at? Know, I'm just kind of jumping all over the place. Mine's in so. big print, so it seems pretty obvious where you're going. Anyway, so allocation of the vaccine. Allocations are going to be made available in batches. Um, again, going to these eight regions and then... You know, they say registered Minnesota providers, but what that means is the hospital systems that are going to be administering this. And there's a whole bunch of stuff they need to do to register to do this. Um, And then they go to the next thing once they have, you know, people covered. So it's kind of this hub and spoke map. And then she talked a little bit about what the vaccine itself is, which is where a majority of the questions came from for her. Um, and the key is this, this is an MRA vac- mRNA vaccine. So I think the number one thing to think about is just I'm sorry, I'm Kurt's grabbing, eating. I'm grabbing the cracker. <laughs> is once you get the vaccine, you can't give it to other people. It is not a live vaccine. That's. I thought you meant you couldn't give the vaccine to other people, you, but you mean you can't get the disease to other people. You can't people. give the disease. So there's, there's conspiracy theories that, they, that you can, though. Well, of course there is. So basically the mRNA, which is the kind of virus, the coronavirus is, um, it, with this whole spike protein. And I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. <laughs> go ahead. So the UK obviously has this new mutated version of COVID. 
the key is, is, and this, this was the question that came up, so we'll get to sk- skip this question later on, is that the spike protein, even with this mutated coronavirus, is still the same. So the vi- vaccine will still work for that. Thank God, because that kind of hurt. Okay. Again, man flu. So anyway, that's so, the whole deal. Um, so as we all know, the Pfizer vaccine came out first. I don't think we need to belabor that. Um, and of course they got the emergency use authorization, which everybody's getting now. They're giving them out, they're like a dime a dozen. Okay. So my question looking at this, I'm sorry, you probably moved on, but I I just saw this and I must not have been paying attention at this point, doing homeschool for three kids at this moment. The FDA only voted 17 to four in favor of the Pfizer vaccine. There was like four people are like, no, it's going to cause cancer. Or not. <laughs> anyway, so obviously it's approved because that's how we're giving it. And so it, the CDC approved it December 13th, and now we're all getting it. I don't think we really need to go into all of the clinical, clinical trials for these vaccines. No. I no. really don't. Let's not waste our time. Um, I think it's important. I think the however, demographics of the clinical trial are interesting, you know, because they tried to make it similar to what the population is which I think was pretty cool. The median age was actually about my age, 51. (laughs) Plus eight is your age. So I think that's even higher than the median age between you and I. The only difference is (laughs) these people had comorbidities. They included obesity, diabetes, pulmonary disease. You have a bit of asthma. I have nothing. You have a bit of asthma and anaphylaxis to weird things. but (sighs) That was my inhaler. (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. Let's move on. Um, so back to the, the vaccine efficacy. So it's efficacious after seven days after the second dose. And so the efficacy a week after you get the second dose is 95%, which means again, you need the second dose. There's no really idea of how well it works after the first vaccine. And in fact, it's interesting because there, in some of the studies, people got sick after the first vaccine, but there wasn't enough numbers. I don't think to really say, this is how good it is after the first one. Correct. The only problem is, you know, you get one vaccine. How many people are just not going to get the second one? Well, and that was one of my questions I had for Chris is that, do they have some type of state reminder? Like you got your vaccine and you get this phone call because clearly if Kurt didn't have a bunch of females in his world, he will never in a million years remember to get the second vaccine. So No, they gave me a card. I okay, taped it to my which computer. he has clearly already lost. So there is some type of website that can remind you, but ultimately it's they're supposed to schedule your second vaccine at the time they give you your first one. Did mm. they do that for you? No. Uh, um, no, I took that card, though, and I taped it to my walker. Uh, again, that's a, that's a they joke. didn't schedule yours. Okay, so asymptomatic infection and viral shedding. Are you going to go through that? I don't know where you are. <laughs> anyway, we'll just move on. Okay, so the whole eff- effectiveness after a single dose. You need two doses, bottom line. Yeah, that's the bottom line. I think the interesting thing with the vaccine, how well, how well does it work with age? And uh, it's probably, it's interesting because some of the immunization or, you know, the vaccines actually worked better in the old people. Now that's a key. Um, <laughs> but I think overall it was... You know, right around that 95% uh, as far as efficacy. 
Did, are you reading this or are you I have just no idea? You had no idea. Where You're I'm like at? way behind me. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I think what's more important than being old is the duration of protection. So how long are you protected? Well, obviously they don't know because although they've been working on this vaccine since you know five minutes after they figured out the DNA of coronavirus, right. they've been working on this since that pangolin died in the food market. I'm, that was what Mike talked about last week. It was unbelievable mm-hmm. to me how fast they got going on this. But Yeah, let's swab the pangolin. But anyway, they don't know the sustained efficacy over a period longer than two months because, again, this is super new, even from the study participants. So, Did I mention that the pangolin is the only mammal that has scales? Yes, it's okay. keratin, like fingernails, Grandpa. Correct. Okay, just checking. We have to do a shout-out to Jude because, yeah. you know, Jude Jude's knew. hilarious. Back to the safety data. So on this fiber, fiber, Pfizer vaccine, you know, you're going to have mostly injection site reactions, you know, sore muscle. Yeah, you don't have any rashes. Nope, I'm Which okay. is funny because Christopher still had his Band-Aid on this morning and I pushed on it. Ouch, that really hurts, he said. I'm like, oh, get over it. Fatigue, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, fever. Those were like the big ones that they documented. Fatigue, though, in about two-thirds of patients that got this first injection. So headache in about half. Mm. Do you not have a headache yet? Nope. Maybe tomorrow. No, perfectly fine. So severe adverse reactions, very, very rarely. 0.0% to 4.6%. More frequently after dose two, however. Um, And... Again, the people who had the more severe uh, reactions after dose two were actually the people um, who were younger. People who were over the age of 55, like Kurt, had less frequent adverse reactions. It's because our immune systems are much stronger at this age. It's just because everything already hurts. You don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Is that my arm or my hip I just broke? Um, no, go ahead. So the, one of the things is really how long is this going to last? Did we talk we about that? <laughs> you lost me. I was trying to take my Aricept. Um <laughs> Anyway, so yes, it is safe. Um, very, very few people had a hypersensitivity. Um, anywhere between 0.63 to 0.5% um, compared to placebo. So placebo had basically the same number of reaction to the actual vaccine. So... Really no big safety concerns with the Pfizer vaccine and so now we're gonna jump on to the Moderma. Man, if they gave me the if they gave me the placebo, I'm not gonna be happy. Okay. Um Moderna. Was that an option? So the yeah, the Moderna yeah, I'd like the placebo. So the Moderna vaccine, of course, was uh, approved on twelve seventeen and of course they got the EUA on twelve eighteen. Things move fast in our government. Uh, when there's a pan- <laughs> when there's a pandemic. Anyway, Moderma, the, the Moderna, excuse me, I want to put an M in there, doesn't have to be as cold. So that's kind of one of the, the positives. The clinical trial looked very similar, um, although they did have a quarter of people even older than you, greater than or equal to 65 of age. Much older. Um, I mean, but we don't really need to belabor all this. Ultimately, <laughs> Exactly the same, yeah. or, you know, within reason. Obviously, there are different studies that they did. Um, it's interesting that they, they actually, about 22% of the people that they had in their study had one high-risk condition for severe COVID-19. So that, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. That's just me. 
So when we're looking at their safety data, I have jumped way ahead of where you're at. Yes, Next, you have. Way, way ahead. So again, they did 30,000 participants, seven weeks post-vaccination. Basically the same thing. Injection site pain, though, in 90, almost 92% of people. Fatigue was a little bit higher. Headache, 63%, so a little bit higher. Muscle pain, joint pain, chills. So all these things that were with the Pfizer, maybe a hair higher, um, with the Moderna and who knows why, um, their ad- adverse reactions, the severe ones that they're calling, um, still that 0.2 to 9.7%. Um, again, more frequent after dose two and less frequent in, you know, greater than or equal to 65%. You so, skipped right over the thing where they said, well, how long is it going to last? It's the same. I we know, don't but it's know. Like, I want to know. Somebody tell me. Okay, is it who's more than winning two months? the World Series in 10 years? Because if I get a shot and it's only going to last two months, I'm not happy. So um, one of the interesting things came out is there's been some people in the study got Bell's palsy. But let's face it, Bell's palsy just happens. So was it related to the immunization, Dr. Bell? What do you think? No. So let me just... Run through it? Run through it. So basically 99.98% of people who got two doses of the coronavirus vaccine did not develop Bell's palsy. Just Mm. 0.02% did. So, I mean, Mm. that could have been super random. That is super random. I mean, you might have gotten bit by a tick and got Lyme's disease and then got Bell's palsy. So how do you know what it was? So anyway, anaphylaxis post-vaccination. There have been six cases of anaphylaxis in the U.S., there you go. One person had had anaphylaxis post rabies vaccine. I've had those earlier in their life. So that was the worst nineteen shots of my life. But the whole point is, you didn't have anaphylaxis against it. No, I had rabies. Anyway, I've had anaphylaxis too twice. So as of Saturday, so however many days ago that is, four ish, twenty two hundred and seventy two thousand one doses of Pfizer had Pfizer vaccine had been given across the country. And there had been mm, none. That's amazing. So, anyway, I still feel like you're you're ignoring the fact that I've had rabies, and I've also had anaphylaxis. I think the key is is if you have anaphylaxis to the first dose. So they basically recommend you having epi wherever you're getting. You know, the people who are administering this vaccine have epi handy. Um, if you have anaphylaxis to the first injection, don't get the second one. Mm. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, actually, it's interesting because at the beginning they said if you've had any anaphylaxis, you should be careful. I'm like, what? What's her name? The doc on GMA, Good Morning America, yep. that we saw um, speak in. Yukas? Yes. Jamie Yukas. So she has anaphylaxis to several things. And on Good Morning America, she had her injection because she's a surgeon. She's an OBGYN. No, that's not Jamie Yukas. No, it's, no, it's the, 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 the medical person. Yeah. Um, but she had her vaccine live on GMA, and that was the big fear. She had, has anaphylaxis to several things. That would be embarrassing. She was fine. Yeah. I don't have anaphylaxis on live TV. Okay, so anyway, we're going to jump forward. Um, are we going to talk at all about the kind of the, the fact that they're going to be following the vaccine safety very closely? I mm-hmm. mean, um, let's face it. They just have to see what's going to be happening as, as we do thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of these. Millions. Correct. So through the 19th of December, there had been 46,000, excuse me, there are 46,800 vaccines that came into the state of Minnesota by December 19th. As of that same day, there had been 2,964 administered. So 
They're mm. doing a lot of trainings. Actually. You know, you can get them on the internet. I got one on the internet. I'm kidding. A vaccine or a training? A vaccine. Jesus. <laughs> They're selling them. Anyway. So obviously, like Kurt just mentioned, they're going to track the doses on the MIC, like everything else of immunization-wise. Um, and then the whole vaccinating long-term care, we already kind of talked about. Um, but a little over two-thirds have been have chosen to participate in this Pharmacy Partnership for Long-Term Care program through their public health. So, mm. yeah, Not I'm... Much I'm I guess hopeful that our long-term care data does go down. You know, they talked um, a little bit about what the how long it's going to take for these phases. And I know there's a question about that too. Um, phase one B and one C kind of revised a little bit of who gets them. They basically cross them off your SOL. Yeah, and so some people got kind of you know pushed off the list, but they think they're going to be done with one A sometime in January, and then hit one B, um, which are going to be people more than seventy-five and frontline essential workers. So first responders, educators, people in food and agriculture, correctional persons, um, postal service, public transit, grocery store, manufacturing. I think the important thing to know is they're not vaccine police. So somebody did ask the question, well, what if, how can, do you have to prove that you're an essential worker? Let's face it. I've been to some of these, you know, Goodwill. You can buy a shirt that says you work for the postal office. I mean. Oh my goodness gracious. You just caused a huge uproar and Chris Ayersman is never going to come back on because you just said Well, that. I'm just saying you can buy, you know, I could look like an essential worker, but there are no vaccine police. So you were just supposed to believe people, which I think is fine. Okay. This so is now, the honor you system. Know, there were some really good questions. Um, it's like you ignored me. I definitely did. I think one of the good questions, and you did ask this question, these long haulers, as we call them. So the people who've had COVID and just kind of have these persistent blah, basically they said, you know, yes, they will get vaccinated, but not whether symptomatic, which is kind of the whole definition of long hauler is that you're still being symptomatic. So up in the air. Um, Guillain-Barre was the question. Nobody really knows, but there's a huge provider guide for sample protocols. Mm. We already talked about Europe. Yeah, it's just rolling through Europe, this new variant. It, yeah, it's a mess. Yes. As far as what do you do if you get your first vaccine and then you get infected, you still have to quarantine. And you got to get the second shot. Correct. You still need a second shot. Now, obviously, this has to be delayed until you are asymptomatic. So if you really just get exposed and you don't really get symptoms, then whatever, get it whenever. Mm. Um, if you, know, you get infected after your second shot or you get exposed is probably the better word, you don't need to quarantine. I thought it was really interesting that Chris said, we're, calling, we're on a first-name basis now, I guess. Chris said that um, Minnesota's constantly doing kind of these genome sequencing and kind of monitoring if we're getting something weird. You know, it's like, you know, I didn't realize they had a lab that did that kind of stuff, but I guess, I guess it's happening. Well, now I know that you're I've been, enrolled because you got a COVID vaccine, you're pretty much going to be found to be ape-like. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Um, you know, there's one thing that, um, what is it, Ben had mentioned is this email. So if you have any type of vaccine related questions, email health.covid.vaccine at state.mn.us if you have any type of bizarre questions. Uh, this one question was actually by a, asked by a friend of ours from Crosby, and he asked whether or not a moderate reaction person should move on and get the second shot. Yes. 
Yes, they should. Unless you have anaphylaxis. Yeah, if you get anaphylaxis and live, I mean, if you don't live, the second vaccine is pretty much a no-go. But if you live, yes, you are supposed to get, you are not supposed to get the second one. Correct. I almost Importantly is, you know, if you're concerned or having questions, talk to your local public health. Don't just my chart message your doctor because they probably don't know the answer. Because even though Kurt shouldn't know the answers, he doesn't, despite the fact that he's doing this podcast right now. Mm. He just has it all right in front of him. Well, I do. And I have some baseline knowledge. <laughs> um, I think we went through most of this first page of questions. Mm. Um, you kind of went through a lot of these, too. So when is all this going to happen? When is 1B, 1C, and then general people? Who knows? Um, you know, there is, there are a few trials going on. One is at the university of Minnesota. I'm sure there's others around the country for those of you who listen from elsewhere, um, of 12 and older. So 12 to 18 year olds, cause adolescents, you know, right now there's that gray zone. And so if you have a child in that age range and you want to enroll in a vaccine trial, I would just kind of Google that. Mm. So I think that's about it. I think we're going to have to have Chris back in about a month. I think we got to email her now and say, can you come back in a month? Let's see where we're at. Email her. Aren't you on a first name basis? I have her cell phone number. Chris, give me a ring. And <laughs> we need Ben too. Ben was good. Ben Christensen came on afterwards and he had to pinch hit because she had a, again, she had a meeting or with a press thing with the governor. Governor Walls. We've never had him on here, have we? No, but we had Lieutenant Governor Flanagan. Yeah, she was very cool. She was very cool, and she did it from her home with her kid and her husband in the background. Her husband was making lunch. No, he was making egg salad sandwiches. He was making lunch. Yeah, I remember clearly. <laughs> anyway, um, Battle Eggs, can you please take over? Yeah, so thanks, everybody, for listening. We will hopefully be back after Christmas and New Year's. Thanks. Right. Happy holidays.